Thanks for tuning in to the Reluctant Vegan Sum podcast. On this episode, we talk about how there are many different paths of walking through life. I am right now about to graduate college, which is, I always thought was the next step, and I got here a little bit differently than you usually do, and over the next couple of episodes with uh, Nikki, we're going to talk about the different ways to go through life, because there's no cut and dry way, and whatever way you do is the best for you. So you- Before quarantine, I was on spring break in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I was drinking, I was smoking, don't catch me FBI, I was living life. I thought I had a great time. I was eating a shit ton of fast food. Quarantine hit, I came home, my family is vegan. I became the reluctant vegan son. This is my podcast talking with my friends and family about food, veganism, all types of things, whatever the fuck comes up and I love it. So, hit the music. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning into this episode. We're 57th episode. God, I sound like I'm doing an intro. No, we're like 47. 47, not 50. Are we 47 or 48? 47. Sure. Not 57. Definitely not 57, but you can see 57 in the future. Yeah, it's like 10 weeks from now. I know. (laughs) That's far. Today is or yesterday. Still fuck up uh, past, present, future tense uh, is Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to everybody out there and to my mom, who I do happen to do this podcast with most of the time, Nikki. And she's here. So, yay. Well, I'm glad to be able to have Mother's Day with you on the podcast because mm-hmm. I'm in Alaska still. And yep. I'll be home next week. Yeah. And then we all go to Alaska together, I think. <laughs> yeah. Or something like that. Two weeks later. Yeah. Oh, so we're going two weeks and then we're traveling for two weeks and then you're working. Exactly. Okay. So going back to Alaska sense. before I have to start work again. So that I don't have to go back and forth, back and forth. It just but, made sense to yeah. attach it to something. This also qualifies her to be an Alaskan citizen. Because I don't know if this is because you need to spend more time in Alaska than in New York, right? That's how it qualifies. It doesn't have to be living in Alaska. It could just I think be it's wherever, an Alaskan right? resident. I'm definitely a U.S. citizen no matter what. That's what I meant. <laughs> place you live in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's true. I have to be there more time than I am in New York. And I am actually, I do spend more time here no matter what. Really? I thought the two weeks would get you over the hump. I think the two weeks definitely do, but the travel time keeps me out of New York longer to get here and Mm. get back. Interesting. Yeah. But yeah. So what is new and good for you this uh, week or two weeks? Because we did not have an episode last week, unfortunately. Yeah. But what is new and good within the last two weeks? Uh, Let's see. So Alaska and Nome is starting to thaw out. And so the beach is actually full of sand. It's a dark black sand with still a frozen ocean that's starting to break up. Mm -hmm. So the breakup is happening. But everybody has bonfires on the beach. And I had a bonfire with a group of people yesterday. There were about 20 of us on the beach. And it was really, really fun. And it was beautiful. The sun is out until 11 or 12 at night. And already the way. 
already yeah and the way the sun rises like it's at an angle so it's really hot so Mm -hmm. even though it was maybe 40 or 50 degrees yesterday i was walking around with no coat wow i mean also in comparison to what it's been the last whatever months that you've been there it must be definitely warmer though it does get down too i was looking at the noma weather report it was 12 degrees like two weeks ago yeah a couple of weeks ago before i came Mm-hmm. Was it 12 degrees when I was here, though? Maybe at night, but it definitely wasn't 12 degrees during the day. But before I came back, they had some pretty bad storms. Mm-hmm. Oh, what's up? So the snowstorms or ice storms or what do you mean like storms? Like just wind or? It, it's definitely snow. And mm-hmm. it's snow that travels horizontally with incredible winds. The harshness here is so tremendous. And the beauty is so majestic. So it's a very confusing place to be. Like it sucks you in, but it is incredibly harsh. Got you. How large are the bonfires that you guys are doing? So you had 20 people there uh, and the beach. So the beach gets uncovered from the snow. You were saying? Yeah. Yeah. Is there like an odd? So is the it's sand? It's sand. It, okay. It's the Pacific Ocean. I'm on the mm. bearing. Is it the Pacific Ocean? Yeah. How large? It's, it's always cold. I mean, the water's 40 degrees or 50 degrees from what I understand. Mm-hmm. But the breakup happens now and then it'll clear up. And then there's an ice patch out. And I don't know how many feet out that comes back in and then goes back out. And this just happens every year and keeps every year and keeps happening. It's changing, though, now, right? Aren't the isn't it happening sooner, breaking up and then coming back together or no? I'm not 100% sure yet. I think that global warming is probably making something change. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it's making the extremes change or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I'm seeing. I know that the uh, there's a uh... shit because uh, I, I, I felt like something was melting sooner. I read about it somewhere. Mm. Not necessarily in Alaska, but I think in other places. There, there are. I think that the polar ice caps are probably melting a little bit more and the sea levels are rising. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting to see some seals because they thought there were some seals out on the ice a little bit further out. And so they sent out a couple of drones to look, but it wasn't a seal. Really? Yeah. Pretty That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. And there should be big herds of muskox outside my window at some point soon. They're over the mountain a little bit further out in the tundra, but I haven't seen them yet. And they migrate over or they just come over at times? They come over at times. They're actually having their babies now from what I understand. But muskox are these huge behemoths of animals and uh, they have this long hair. And what ends up happening with the hair is that the hair gets stuck on the tundra grass and people gather it and it's very hard to tease out, but they make beautiful, warm, like neck coverings and stuff like that. So it's based off that what they shed. So that seems pretty sustainable to me. Yeah, definitely. They just have long, beautiful hair. Okay, because I know that there's a lot of musk muskox products and a lot of fur products. And I know that we don't support really fur products or hunting for fur products, but if it naturally naturally some people collected that seems pretty good to me 
I, you- I thought that was really good too. That's why I, I actually have a neck piece like that that mm-hmm. was given to me by Leslie, one of the coffee moms that we see every Friday morning, whose mother went to Alaska over 50 years ago and bought this thing. I'm blanking on the name of it. Let me just look at the Inupiaq name of a muskox knitted thing. I think it would be interesting to see what animals do shed in that because I know there's lots of fox pelts, lots of other pelts. And if you have to kill the animal to take its pelt, I don't agree with that. But if it's a naturally occurring thing, shedding, like don't deer antlers or something shed and then grow out? I know that there are people who have reindeer. Oh, by the way, the muskox thing is called the kivut. Q-I-V-I-U-Q. And that's an Inupiaq name for it. You said, so everybody says, I love your Kivut. You said Q-V-U-V-I-U-C? Q-I-V-I-U-Q. So we'll how many Scrabbles points is that? <laughs> is what I'm thinking. Because, you know, you got 10 from the right. Q. Right. You got four from the V. C is like three, right? No, there's no C in there. There's there's two oh. Qs in that. Well, that's already 20 I don't points. even think we have two Qs on a Scrabble board. But then there's another way <laughs> to spell it, which I think is an American spelling or like a more Americanized spelling. And it's Q-I-V-I-U-T. So you still need a U for that word, even though I'm mm-hmm. always looking for Scrabble words that have a Q that no U is in. Wait, is it? It's Q U V I U C. It's not a Q U. It's Q I V I I U T I U T. No, but what about the other word? That's Q I V I U Q. Okay. See, is that one two Qs that you don't have? Is it in the Scrabble dictionary? Yeah. If I could put two Qs rather than a T, I'm playing that word every time. I mean, I guess it's. Are there two Qs in the Scrabble game? I would assume so. There is at least two cues in a Bananagrams game because I've been fucked over many times by those cues. <laughs> by those I can cues. tell you that much. Bananagrams is the cues. worst game. <laughs> is the worst in game. In a Scrabble game. Because somebody could be peeling off so much in a row. So Bananagrams is a similar word game to Scrabble uh-huh. uh, that we enjoy to play. Only one cue in Scrabble, by the way. So you only can do the one with the T. I mean, right. I guess that makes sense. How many words in the English dictionary have two cues? Right. I don't think any. Yeah. I guess right, so. I mean, I'll, cues and bananagrams. I'll, there's definitely at least two because bananagrams, I've had multiple cues. And you look and you're looking, you're like, okay, where's an eye? I need an eye. <laughs> if I can't find an eye, I'm fucked. And you keep yeah. feeling. And then someone can go on a run and you're looking how to deal with your cue and you're so far behind. Yeah. It's just no fun. Yeah, no, it's so true. Especially but if, if I could use Quebec or no, no, that sounded like Quebec. Quivic? Qu- <laughs> I'm not going to be able to pronounce this one. Uh, sorry. I am sorry. A Kiviet. Sounds kind of Russian. Sounds kind of. I think it's a Nupiak. Yeah, do you think Nupiak in Russian language might be similar because they are um, uh, geographically so similarly located? Think that do you think that some Russian was taken from Anubiak names? Because obviously Anubiak was here first. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, possibly. That's a really good thought. I, I mean, they of that. used to be connected, right? I mean, it used to be a time when the ice probably covered the water. Definitely. There's a small island on the Bering Strait that some of the other doctors go to. It's called Little Diomede. Mm-hmm. And Little Diomede is actually part, not part, uh, attached, but it, 
there's a, another island called Big Diomede, which is right by Russia and considered a Russian island. And the Little Diomede people and the Big Diomede people have reciprocity to see each other because they were all part of the same tribe. But somebody who went to Little Diomede just looks straight at the, the Russian land. Like you, you could see it as close as, as from me to the other side of town. Mm-hmm. I mean, the prob- town I live yeah. in. Yeah. There probably isn't much there. Right. I don't know. There's, there's, it's frozen. It's completely mm-hmm. frozen. And a little diamede has really horrible weather. Like it's difficult mm. weather. It's interesting. I can imagine. Probably not the best. Right. So uh, something that has horrible weather or that's not horrible weather. Uh, this doesn't really have anything to do with horrible weather, but. <laughs> For me, my new and good is uh, I have one more day of school tomorrow. Wow. And then, well, and you're done I have finals that. tomorrow and then I'm done forever. And then I got to figure out what the fuck to do with my life. Huh. And I want to talk about how it's OK to not know what you want to do with your life, because that is where I'm at right now. And <laughs> I think it's really interesting because. I have friends, colleges, that time, I mean, you're my age, you have everybody doing very different things. I mean, you have people that have been out of their family's home since they were 18. I have friends that can't go back. I can't imagine moving out of college and immediately looking for another house and something somewhere. I would imagine coming back and living with my parents. Uh, I am lucky enough to be afforded that luxury. Uh, Other people, like my friend, always has to keep looking for housing and keep having jobs and keep finding ways um, and I'm like, I cannot imagine doing that. There are other people who have kids at my age. There are other people getting married. Yeah. There's, it's the point in life where I think between you and people you interact with daily can be at entirely different moments mm. along, along what they're doing or That's what so they have to do. Yeah. And I think totally that right. too much of the time growing up, I know I thought this way is that life felt like you're just playing through certain stages. I mean, you start, you're a baby, you can't really do anything. I mean, some people call it the uh, free trial period of life. You don't have any responsibilities. You just are a baby. Now, if only you could remember some of that stuff. Uh, What do you mean by remember some of that stuff? I mean that when I'm a baby, I don't remember much about being a baby. I wish I could do more when I have no responsibilities. You're talking about have more free agency, like yeah. be able to. Oh, like so if you could have the responsibilities of being a baby at my age, which to be fair, I kind of do a little bit. So, I mean, this this does help for me. Um, uh, and there are ways to, you know, do things that you don't really have to have responsibilities. Mm-hmm. I mean, and live more freely. And I know some people base their entire life around that choice. And it's not going to put you the most well off, but it will give you a lot of freedom and a lot of, you know clear headspace but when you're a kid when you're a baby you can't really do much I mean you rely on other people but nobody relies on you the world kind of revolves around you right at least that's so true at least your parents world right Right. Uh, and kind of everybody else's world I know my sister played hide and seek for 30 minutes with this kid because well I guess she wanted to but still felt like that it revolved around the kid I think because she was raised with this idea about 
young people taking the lead and giving mm-hmm. them that opportunity once in a while, especially because they never have the chance. So with that inability comes you having to do everything the adults tell you to do. Mm-hmm. Even though you have no responsibility, but... Well, as a baby, you can't really do what the adults are telling you to do yet. I know babies are super smart and they're probably more smarter than we give credit to babies. But they're still not up to a capability of doing a lot of things. I'm talking about you kind of get swooped into doing whatever. Your parents, when you're saying like how the first birthday is for the parents. Well, kind of like that, but, but you, you go, you're, you're reliant on these people to take Mm -hmm. you wherever you need to go or to be able to read the cues about whether you're hungry or not, but they still will feed you when either they figure it out or they're ready. Or they just don't figure it out. And they're like, huh, all the baby hasn't (laughs) eaten for a little while. They give up time to give the kids some uh, nutrition, right? Uh, I mean, but everybody also sees a baby being disappointed or, I mean, I guess crying and think something's immediately wrong. Usually, I'm sure something is wrong. I'm not entirely positive. I'm not the one writing a book about this. But uh, <laughs> but I am the one writing a book about this, but not about babies. Uh, my true. book is about teens and tweens, but it could be applied to babies. That's for sure. That's true. The, but the I, sequel I will be like preparing for teenhood or whatever it is. <laughs> what I'm saying is babies, you're always trying to pacify things. I mean, that's why I think it's, it's called a pacifier because right? you're trying to pacify the kid needing something by giving them a pacifier. We're pacifying them having any feelings about anything so that we feel better in some ways. I'm not saying that they don't need to be pacified, but they're working on something. If they're Mm -hmm. upset, sometimes it's a need and you decide whether the need needs to be met or not. Or sometimes it's a discomfort that's unknown that you get to stay close to them for. But you don't have to pacify every discomfort. But that's where I think parents try to do. Totally. Every I'm time. Totally right about that. And mm-hmm. I guess you, you are, and it makes sense that a lot of it is to help the parents. The parents see their baby who is disappointed or doing whatever, and so they think something must be wrong until they panic themselves. Right. I completely agree with you. So yeah, that's stage one. I don't know how long <laughs> stage one lasts. Do you say stage... Because I guess early stage one is different than later stage. Because there's a big difference between each of the ages as you're young. You know, a one-year-old is extremely different than a two-year-old, which is extremely different than a three-year-old, which is extremely different than a four-year-old. You know? Right. Well, I guess the one, two, and three. I, I don't know if there are as many differences between a four and five-year-old. That's as pronounced. The difference between a four and five-year-old is not as pronounced as a one and two-year-old. That's true. That's true. They're not growing in quite the rapid rate. Mm-hmm. That is true. Mm-hmm. but so I don't know how long that stage is I guess you're really the entire center until you're like three maybe maybe one two I don't know I'm not sure what what do you mean by center I'm like still not you sure can't about do that. anything yeah yeah I get I mean you can't really do anything by yourself until maybe like 10 or something but uh-huh. or like seven eight I guess you could do things at seven eight I mean there's a difference between things you could do at what point do you feel comfortable sending a kid to go grocery shopping for you? Mm. Right. So the levels of responsibility definitely change. Mm -hmm. Because you you don't really have responsibility in 
till you hit maybe the end of elementary school. I mean, not like responsibility, but you're not going to give a four-year-old the chores you give a 10-year-old or you're not going to give a three-year-old any chores. I mean, we never really did any chores, but... <laughs> Yeah, well, I think the idea of chores is an interesting thing because there's nothing that absolutely had to be done. Mm -hmm. There were things that I'd liked to be done just because I like a clean, neat house. But it's not like we needed to tend the farm or milk the cows in order to make a living. Yeah. All of the chores were kind of self-imposed with how we might want to live a life and possibly to give you responsibility. Mm-hmm. But other than that, there weren't absolutes about things that absolutely had to happen. What had to happen early on was you guys had to get up and go to school and come back and do your homework. Yeah, that's, I think, you the, did big, that. the big change. I mean, the first thing that happened. So, I mean, you could say that that first stage maybe lasts until you go to elementary school or preschool or something. Mm, but yeah. it's hard for me to think like that because there's such a big difference between an, a first year elementary school student and like a two year old. Right. And That's the, the difference is massive. I mean, there's a lot more you can do your first year in elementary school. Right. That's do you true. think kids maybe aren't given enough autonomy when they're younger or to choose their own things or do their own things? I mean, like as elementary school students, obviously you're a parent, you don't want them to do certain things, but I do think they are, uh, kids are smarter than people give credit to. And there are a lot of things they would be able to do. I know kids are stupid at times and you, but I feel like parents try to limit choices as much as possible, maybe. I, I agree with you. I, I think that they can make a lot of decisions. And unless there is something dangerous going on, I try to let them have as much decision making in their life as possible. I mm-hmm. think, again, we have to balance between what decisions they make and what either the parents obligations elsewhere are or where they needed to be. But, but mostly it's, it's, it's us parents wanting to Mm -hmm. do what we want to do and somehow feeling like our kids don't really have a choice. If, if we can give them a choice as much as possible, you might be able to turn, I would say young people oppression is the first depression Mm -hmm. where somebody knows that an older person can actually like lord over somebody younger or somebody who's smaller or somebody who has no financial means or somebody who is mm. who is somehow dependent on you. And so how you treat that relationship kind of sets up what happens with that kid's feelings about anybody who has a difference than them that seems less them. Mm-hmm. So I yeah, think school, school's a rough place. School is a school's rough place. a really rough place. There's not, it's very there, oppressive. It is oppressive. Uh, and it's not the teacher's fault. I mean, teaching is a hard job and it's, mm-hmm. it's not anybody's fault. I mean, until I don't know, people have been studying this and there might be a better way. I don't know. We could homeschool everybody. Maybe I, I would support that. But not everybody has the ability to homeschool all their kids. When you have this society where you don't necessarily trust the education or like school is not the best place, but parents also have to do stuff. And you know, childcare is right. a big thing. True. And school I, is a place for people Ideally, to like the schools would be more student 
led in terms of their interest, Mm -hmm. not necessarily batched in ages. So Mm. schools were really set up almost in parallel to the industrial revolution or the industrial system. So what you're doing is you're getting them set up to be able to follow whatever the societal norm is for six to eight hours a day, doing the same thing in little bundles of, or I think like units of students of the same age. There's no reason I find why people should be in the same class because they're the same age as like they might have not they might not have the same interest they might not have the same level of learning I think they should all be running at their own pace as opposed to trying to either stay down with the people who are at a lower pace than them or move up to the ones that are at a higher pace so then how how would that happen there's not there are lots I, of open schools that do are. that where people are put in open classrooms and there are teachers or facilitators or leaders that help to support them in the projects that they're interested in. Yeah, but I think that there might be it might be hard to do that. I mean, people come from different places. People have different learning abilities. And you're saying to tailor it more. I guess if you totally. tailor it more to the students, it's not thinking about other kids more. As long as if everybody's having a good level of learning that's right for them. I think it makes sense. It's not about, I think people hear that and think, oh, you're just going to take the smartest kids and move them ahead. And that's not really what the goal is. The goal is different kids learn at different paces. And if everybody learns at the same pace, it's not beneficial. It's not about giving some kids a better schooling because they're smarter. It's about giving kids the opportunity to get the schooling that they need. Already, the better schooling happens for the people with more resource. That's true. So whether it be the advanced placement classes or whatever it is, the reason why you get in there is because you think that you want your kids to have more resource than the kids who are not at that level. So already they're at an advantage, even by thinking they're at that level. But who decides what it is important for somebody to know in a society? I think it would be more important to teach people how to cook for themselves or how to set up electricity or how to do plumbing. I, I, I would have loved to have learned that in school, you know, but, but everything now is academically based in a society that's not completely academic and doesn't have jobs for academics. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I was thinking about degrees to do in college. Math and science is never one for me. I'm like, what do I do if I get a major in math? How do I math my entire life? I guess you do data analytics. There's a million way, degrees to get to be a data analyst. Right. So, but that's in the future points of life. Right now, we're still at like early stage. And elementary school is good to start connecting with people. You can't really have, I mean, you maybe could have full relationships in elementary school and you do keep some friends from elementary school. Not many people do. I mean, I know it's hard to. But it's not, I mean, you do start building a little bit of connection in elementary school with other people. That's the first time you really spend a lot of time with people your age. That is the one thing about having, I guess, the argument. I'm not sure if I believe this argument, too, of having all the kids in the same age. Because if you put a really smart second grader or with, um, uh, if you put like, yeah, a second grader that's at the same learning level as like a fifth grader or something that's very different. It's like a seven-year-old and a 10-year-old. I think that they maybe group it more in the age for a social thing necessarily. Why is that a problem? Like that's the only time in our life where we're around that's true. people of the same age. 
So at my job right now, I've got a bunch of doctors that finished their residency not long ago that I'm really close to and they're in their late twenties, early thirties. So I'm old enough to be their parent and Mm -hmm. I still feel really connected to them. I think it's an interesting setup because I know that some people my age would think that the younger people would want nothing to do with us. Hmm. And I think that's all set up early on as if they have nothing in common with us or that we're uninteresting or that they think that I wouldn't want to be friends with them and not be interested in what they're doing. So we all have that similar feeling. And I find that pretty fascinating, but I think being friends with people of all different ages is an incredible Mm -hmm. opportunity to know many things that you don't know at the moment. Yeah. I mean, different generations or different people, different ages. They definitely, we definitely have different perspectives. Totally. events, And it's good to hear everybody's perspective. And then if we're moving along to like the next stage, I mean, I guess you kind of have schooling. I always thought schooling or like, yeah, you got elementary school, you got middle school, which is a rough place, which thankfully I did not go to. I know people have many problems in middle school. It's interesting. I was homeschooled for middle school and people are like, why you're homeschooled? That's crazy. Middle school. I learned so much in middle school. What, what do they un- say they learned in middle school? They say they learned social aspects. How so to they learned how to take school. people's meanness? Like yeah. what was the. <laughs> they learned how to make friends and take people's meanness and then deal with drama, I guess. Because when you're in middle school, I don't even know what happens in middle school. I mean, it seems like high school, but with the little younger kids, I guess. I am not sure. I I think they're still trying to figure stuff out. And so whatever is being acted out gets acted out at school because it's very hard to act it out at home. So it's acted out on people of about the same age. And I think that's that's where medical school gets hard. I, I don't think actually it's helpful to be in a situation six to eight hours a day where you're feeling like you're having conflict at every moment. I don't think that that's an easy place to learn. I don't think that's a natural setup in society normally. So if you do benefit from it, somehow you have to make yourself believe that it was beneficial, but I don't think that anybody doesn't benefit from not being there. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely alternate paths. I mean, people are so one lined and this is what I'm talking about with my thinking on how I don't know what I'm doing next. And there are different pathways to success in life or success. What is success defined as in life? There are a million definitions for success in life. There is no definition of success. It's whatever you think success is. And it's very different like that. I think people don't understand how you can be similar by doing different things where they think that their path is the best. And it might be because they want to justify their path. It might be because they can't see something different because maybe going to middle school does have its benefits. I'm sure there are some benefits to going to middle school. There are, are probably some, but that doesn't mean like it's you said, the only, that that's the only yeah. path. Yeah, I think that that's the black and white thinking that make people somehow believe that they're safe from mm-hmm. external forces that they have no control over. And so if you have a very committed thought, and we talk about this, that you practice a lot, and that all of a sudden becomes kind of your default thought. So your brain doesn't really want to think that much or whatever, but doesn't want to spend a lot of energy thinking that much and also doesn't want to be wrong. So it'll fight to continue believing that whatever the path was and whatever they believe is true. 
but it limits your life so tremendously. It limits, mm-hmm. it limits the full human experience. I don't blame people too for thinking that going to middle school is the best way to do it. I mean, that's what you think. I mean, if you think that you're better off for going to middle school, that's fine. That's great. I mean, we all take our different paths. I enjoyed being homeschooled. Yeah, I thought that it was, was really fun. School. It was a lot of fun. We did <laughs> very little and it was great. We did well, a lot. We, we did a de- we did a decent amount. Okay. We did not do a little. We did little structured schoolwork because that was freaking boring. It wasn't, but already you were able to read and do math. And so what is it that you needed to learn in middle school that you didn't learn? Write essays. I suck at writing essays. I don't think you would have learned how to write an essay in middle school either. I think that's someplace where you don't put your attention. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I suck at writing essays. I suck at writing in general. And I just finished a book. So there's a way you can find an editor. If you have an idea, you could put it down. You don't Mm -hmm. have to do it alone. I mean, there are lots of ways. I mean, how often do you write? I guess, depending on what job you do, you can write certain things at different times. I mean, you write write write-ups, you write whatever. But middle school, yeah, I don't know what people learn in middle school. And to be honest, I don't really care what people learn in middle school. Uh, I'm sure it is somewhat interesting. Probably not. No, no, it's probably not very interesting. I always had the idea that you do the same thing, just a little bit more difficult each year and you don't really learn anything. That's exactly what happens. You just kind of build on something that's been told Mm -hmm. to you to learn. I, I just, I don't think that you didn't benefit from Yeah being homeschooled as opposed to middle school, if anything, I think you had the opportunity to kind of mature up, get whatever movement out of your system that you wanted to get out of your system. We spent all the time running back and forth, throwing mm-hmm. your football back and forth. You just didn't want to sit and you weren't I'd ready not, to sit. I hate sitting. Yeah. Which and when you went to high school, you figured out how to sit. Not very well. Not, not, <laughs> not that well. Uh, but- does it really matter though? No. Would that have I been a skill that would have been useful to learn? And do you think you would have learned it in a schooling situation? I think that in a schooling situation, you learn to sit because there is no other alternative. So I think mm-hmm. I would have learned to sit. Well, because... you either would have learned to sit or you would have been diagnosed with something and given some medication to sit with, which is definitely what I didn't want to happen. So you're saying that if I went to middle school, I'd have an Adderall prescription right now? Probably. Would you like that? I should have went to middle school. (laughs) I should have definitely went to middle school. Sorry about that. I ruined your prospects for Adderall. I know. I mean, (laughs) if they gave me Ritalin, then middle school wouldn't have been worth it. But if they gave me Adderall, then, you know, it's... What's the difference between Ritalin and Adderall to you? I don't know. I I, don't know. I think they're, they're a little different. Ritalin's not Adderall. Uh, Ritalin, I think Ritalin reacts differently to you. I think Adderall makes you wired in a certain way and more able mm-hmm. to focus, whereas Ritalin, I think, makes you calm down. It might be crazy or it keeps you awake. I, th- I think they have slightly different effects on you. They're both amphetamines, right? I don't know the technical term like that. I know psychedelics and non-psychedelics. They both are definitely non-psychedelic. I will tell you they that They are much. definitely non-psychedelic. 
I will tell you Ritalin works sooner and reaches peak performance more quickly than Adderall does. So Adderall is a more long acting. Yeah, if you need to study for a long time, you take Adderall. That that is what I know. (laughs) Is that what you know? So that's why you wanted it. (laughs) If you want to stay focused for a long time, you would take Adderall. I mean, final exam season, the Adderall market really starts popping up. Seriously? Are there people like offering Adderall to other people? Are you there? I mean, there are ways to find Adderall, not necessarily offering like people don't go around saying, oh, I have Adderall. I mean, it's not a good business model. I mean, somebody's going to find out if you go door to door saying, hi, I understand you're a college student. Would you like to buy some Adderall alpha? They don't have vacuum cleaner salesmen selling Adderall. (laughs) So how does one find out the person who has the Adderall to sell? Just ask around. It's pretty simple. Just go to various places. Just ask around and then somebody I mean, like whispers. Adderall like, is not a most yeah. Adderall is not a multi-level marketing scheme. No. So <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's true. But yeah, That's so funny. I always thought you, you go to middle school, you don't go to middle school anyways. And then you go to high school. Cause I thought the reason why I went back to high school, I remember is I thought high school would be the easiest way to get into college by going to a we all high thought school. that. We we didn't trust our ability to somehow get you into college without going to high school. And there probably would have been ways to do that because I have friends that were homeschooled that definitely went to college and were homeschooled through high school. Right. That's true. There was definitely ways, but I think daddy didn't have the attention to do it anymore. And I don't know, we just kind of lost our, I said, lost our zhuzh to homeschool for whatever reason. So probably the college or that's the excuse we use. That, that, that's what we were saying. Yeah. And you know, you go to high school and high school is high school. I mean, I'm not really feel like explain I just had a regular high school experience it's not like movies it's not like whatever it's just I went to school I had my friends I did my thing and right. then so I always thought the next step did after you high feel school, like you weren't prepared for it because no, you didn't go to middle school no I mean if I, I thought that it was pretty simple I thought that I mean you start on the same page they high school you kind of restart they have you, you especially know high to, school in New York where people yeah. don't know anybody I mean what do you do you have algebra, you have history, you have, you know, English class, you have a science class. We had two math classes. We had a gym class. Like, I mean, people, they don't teach algebra in middle school. I mean, no, you can take the algebra regions. We have the regions, but I did that. So I started in the next class with everybody. And most schools, we started algebra and they have certain English curriculums that they restart and teach from the beginning. And, you know, there's, a lot of high school kind of feels like it starts and they're teaching more things. The ridiculous thing is that they don't teach anything you're going to use in the future. (laughs) Most of the things you learn in high school, you will not, I do not need to know grammar to do anything. That was part of the reason why we took you out to homeschool you is that I didn't feel like you guys were learning any practical skills whatsoever. Number one. How many times can you learn your times tables? Yeah, <laughs> that's my question. And what practical skills do you have in times tables in the future? You definitely learned to cook while you were homeschooling and you looked the you learned the value of money. We would go out and and do shopping and, mm-hmm. and you would learn how to buy things and develop a meal. We we did a lot of writing when you homeschooled. We went and ate out at restaurants and then we interviewed. That's the true. Chefs, that is true. And we wrote about that. I still have those articles we wrote for the homeschool newspaper. Mm-hmm. You had the best time. That was fun. Out in different, we met Har- Harold Dieterle, who is one top of chef, our one or season one. Chef. Mm-hmm. Season one, we went to his restaurant and now in New York. There are 18 seasons. Wow. Which How is many kind are of in insane. New York? Should we go there? Nah, start? there's not many in New York, I think. Ugh. But 
I mean, yeah, homeschooling does give you that opportunity to do a less traditional curriculum with other things. And people don't realize that. And you definitely could learn more about, you know, what you do at home, what you do certain things. I mean, my dad would take out newspaper clippings from the Times and be like, oh, this is your, you know, current events assignment. And you will just read something from today's paper that is fairly interesting or that he thought was interesting. Whereas at school, we put it in a folder. We would yeah. separate it arts and entertainment, mm-hmm. interesting current events. And then we would pull out an article and talk about it. Your Spanish curriculum never really came through, but no. that's okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. It would have been helpful. The Mandarin uh, curriculum didn't come through either. No, it didn't. Besides going to Chinatown for lunch and talking about- We did that so, a lot. We so did my, our Mandarin homework mm-hmm. in dim sum places. I'm very good at ordering food. Basically, our Chinese lessons were in ordering food, which is important. So, you know, it is really important. It is very important. You don't think Taiwan's going to open up for you soon? It should. Yeah. No, no. I mean, I do have plans, but I don't know what I want to do. Like, I do have ideas of what I want to do, but I don't know what I want to do. And I guess next time we'll talk more about different pathways because we're almost done. With It's been about 40 minutes. So, oh, my God. Yeah, I guess it's we're crazy gonna... that we talk for 40 minutes. It's definitely with two people because I've been doing a podcast just based off this book. And I'm one person and I can't get much more than 12 to 15 minutes and then oh, yeah. I'm done, which is more than enough. Well, that feels like if you're a one person podcast, you just end up just rambling for uh, yeah. a while. And at a certain point, you're like, oh, shit, I've been rambling because I can't imagine <laughs> having a conversation with someone where I just ramble on for 30 minutes. I, um, I actually am making a point. I'm generally mm-hmm. teaching, teaching a small point. But it, it also doesn't have to be a problem with it being 12 minutes. I mean, right. you can it's just totally do not like yeah. twice a week episodes or something, have smaller episodes. And I do once a week with 12 minutes. I've already recorded four of them because I'm going to release once a week at some point soon. That is true. If you are recording by yourself, there's only one person you need to depend on to uh, put that out. So, <laughs> so much easier. It is easy. And yeah. on that note, happy yeah. belated Mother's Day to everybody. We love all you. If you have a mom, appreciate them. If you are a mom, we appreciate you. And hopefully your kids appreciate you. Uh, <laughs> yes it's a hard job it is a hard job because nobody i don't really know how to do it also say but no we just appreciate all the moms out there and uh thank you for listening please if you enjoyed like uh subscribe review tell a friend and yeah we love you guys thank you but if you're and if you're a mom to a teen and tween when my book comes out you definitely have to get my book because you will learn everything you need to do, know to stay close and connected mm-hmm. so it's called shut up and act dumb a parent's guide to staying close and connected to your teens and tweens. Shut up and act dumb for dummies. <laughs> that's that's the, it's the newest in the series of the four dummies book. And uh, yeah, it's definitely not part of that, but <laughs> but it is pretty, pretty damn good. So if you want a surefire method to mm-hmm. start getting close and connected, this is the way to do it with tons of experience. Yeah. And learning. Okay. All right, that's at drnickynarodin.com, drnickynarodin.com.